accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands, Thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stopping. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. 
He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden 
in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Good morning, everyone. I want to welcome you to Victory Christian Fellowship. Those of you that are here, and if you're watching online, we just welcome you. It is a good day to connect with the Lord and to let his presence just flow over you. Father, we give you thanks and praise that you are in our midst. You are here with us, your very real presence. And Lord, there's no place where we'd rather be than right here, right now. And Lord, our focus and our attention is on you. And we just celebrate you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Are you ready to worship this morning? Come on, loosen yourself up a bit. We're worshiping the living God in this place. Amen.
covers a multitude of sins. You know, God puts a lot of stuff up with us. He, put, he puts up with a lot of stuff from us. He's very patient. He's very kind. But he loves you. He always will. He always has. He'll never stop loving you. His love is there ready for you shed abroad in your hearts hallelujah our God is love thank you Lord for your love we celebrate your love this morning oh Lord we exalt your love this morning 
We thank you for your love. Thank you for loving us. Hallelujah, Lord. Because you loved us, you made us free. Because you loved us, you called us to yourself. Because you loved us, you revealed your plan to us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we just honor your presence. And we're so grateful and thankful that we have a God that speaks directly to us. I have opened a door for you, but you must walk through it. I have made a way for you, but you must walk in it. I have opened the grave for you, but you must come out of it. I have done everything that needs to be done. Therefore, when I was on the cross, I said, it is finished. And it is finished. I did it for you because I love you. Now come on through. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Well, you may have your seats. And we are so glad to be able to celebrate with you this morning. And if you're watching us this morning, we just say welcome to you as well. Hallelujah. Our God is good. And being in his atmosphere is an exciting place to be. Hallelujah. Well, we get the privilege of speaking God's word. Amen. And when we speak his word, we get his results. And you know, when we speak his word, our ears are hearing us say what he said. Yes. And faith comes by what? It comes quicker when you hear yourself speak what God yes. said. Yes. Versus someone else. Let's make our yes. confession. Amen. We ask, we ask our God, God the, the glorious Father of Jesus, Jesus for, for spiritual wisdom and insight. insight that we may grow in our knowledge of God. We know the Father through Jesus, and we are deepening our intimacy with Him. We believe God's light is opening our imagination and understanding so we can know what He has called us to do. We believe that we can benefit from His rich and glorious inheritance in us, and we are learning how to function in His immeasurable, unlimited, and surpassing power that works in us because we believe. We believe that we can function in the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. The same power that makes Jesus far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. We are his body. We are made full and complete by Christ. 
who fills all things everywhere with himself. We are victorious overcomers and reign as kings in this life through his grace. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance. To proclaim the uncompromising word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Amen. Good morning, VCF. Woo! How's everybody today? Isn't it wonderful to be in the house of the Lord? All right, so my fact, we'll start with that. Um, how many of you like to eat? <laughs> All right, so here at VCF, you know you get fed physically and spiritually. And it, you can see that in the world, too. I learned that... Freezing and canning both involve extremes. So in order to preserve food, it has to go from one extreme to the other. That's what stops the bacteria and everything from deteriorating the food. Um, And the reason why, you know, grocery stores are better at it than, you know, just us sticking things in the freezer is because they have the technology and fans and freezers and heating equipment that they can completely surround the vegetable with all of the cold air or all of the warm air, whichever one they're doing. And that allows it to freeze or heat properly so that the food stays preserved. So I am just encouraging you that here at VCF, you can get to surround yourself with people that help preserve your faith and preserve your faith in God. And we feed you super well here and help keep you on the right track so that everybody can enjoy the flavor of God through you. So we have lots of events that you can participate in to help preserve your flavor. Today is book club for the women after service, and we are having a special like Valentine's Day celebration. So if you're able to stay, wonderful. And Tuesday is youth, and that is at 6 p.m. And the youth, we have been very busy. We have, I don't know if you can see this, but we have um, business cards for our youth group, so you can take those and pass them out as you feel led to. And we have a whole bunch of new goodies back there. We were busy baking and cooking. We have chili and fruit salad and snacks. So if you like sweet stuff, if you like salty stuff, if you want a snack, if you want a whole meal, we got everybody covered. And speaking of the youth, this Saturday, we also have our youth breakfast, and that is from 9 to 11 a.m. So we have breakfast, and then we talk about the Word, and we always encounter God. So it is great a youth experience. And then this Wednesday is Wednesday Night Refreshing at 6.30, which is a wonderful way in the middle of the week to, again, come and experience and encounter God in a new way that's different than on Sundays, but just as powerful. That's everything. Hallelujah. I think they have venison and venison and beef chili. Either one separately. They're not mixed, but you can have either one. 
they picked a good day to make some chili. <laughs> Hallelujah. Knock the chill out with some of the new generation Air Force chili. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I want to encourage you in your giving this morning. I'm not going to give you a scripture because I'm going to talk about it later. So, you know what we do here? We love, we're in the blessing of people business. Amen. And we're in the investing in God business. You know, we don't have to, but we get to. And, and God guarantees by himself. Do you realize when, when we read the Bible, we are reading God's testimony of what he already did. We are reading what has already been accomplished and what already belongs to us. It's already done, signed, sealed, and delivered. Right? And uh, so if you're here, you know you can give anytime during the service. If you're watching online, take advantage of our uh, online uh, ability to give. And you can give by card through the bookstore and uh, just about any way that you want to with new ways coming up in the near future. So, Father, we are so grateful and thankful that we get to give into your kingdom. Lord, what a privilege, what an honor. And, Lord, we are so grateful for the reward that you give us. You reward the givers as you receive their gifts unto you, and you take their gifts and multiply it back unto them, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, you will cause men to give into their bosom. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, we got some awesome kids in this place with some awesome Kids Live teachers. We are so grateful for all who participate with our kids' ministry. Hallelujah, they're the next generation, so we want to dismiss them this morning. Have a good class. Be blessed. Praise your holy name. Hallelujah. If you remember uh, Ann Landers, there was an article that uh, she had, and... uh, It was a letter from a girl who was writing about her uncle and aunt. She said, my uncle was the tightest man I've ever known. All his life, every time he got paid, he took $20 out of his paycheck and put it under his mattress. Then uh, he got sick and was about to die. As he was dying, he said to his wife, I want you to promise me one thing. Promise what? She asked. I want you to promise me that when I'm dead... You'll take my money from under the mattress and put it in my casket so I can take it with me. The girl's letter went on with the story. He died and his wife kept her promise. She went in and got all the money that day, the day that he died, went to the bank and deposited it and wrote out a check and put it in his casket. (laughs) That's a wise woman. It's a wise woman. <laughs> you know, I've done a lot of funerals, but I've never seen a hearse full in a U-Haul. You're not going to be able to take it with you. But you know, we live in times that are unstable. As you can see, the economy of this world is designed to fall. So, How can you redeem your money? How can you make sure that you're on the right financial path? 
You need to follow God's financial plan. Do you know God's got a financial plan? And he has outsmarted the world. He has a better return. You'll never find a return as good in the world as you will in God's kingdom. So this morning, I just want to talk to you about following God's financial plan. Right? Because that's going to redeem your money. Right? That's going to set you up for success. Don't follow the ways of the world. Now, I'm not saying don't invest in the world. We have investments. We invest. But you know what? We're following God's plan. Amen? And you're going to find out what that is. But let me give you another testimony. This is a story. It says, when I was in Bible college, a tractor-trailer load of Tropicana orange juice was dropped off at the cafeteria every week. Okay? I wondered how a low-cost Bible college could afford such expensive OJ. One morning in chapel, I found out how an older Italian man, in broken English, gave his testimony. He said he had come to the U.S. from Italy in the 20s as a young teenager. With nothing but the clothes on his back, a Christian couple befriended him. And through their love, he came to know Christ as Savior and Lord. One Sunday in church, he prayed, Lord, if you give me an idea for a business, I will, I will be faithful to give a portion of everything I make back to your, to your work. That very morning, the idea of fresh squeezed orange juice popped into his head, and the rest is history. Anthony Rossi, who founded uh, the Tropicana Company, has been faithful to give to God not 10% of his income, as many faithful believers do, but 50% of his income for the past 60 years. He also gave truckloads of free OJ to Christian colleges throughout the country. Amen? Listen, God will give you a, a witty invention or a good idea. You know, he, he gives you the power to get wealth. Amen? And then let me share one other story with you. All right? This is called The Miracle of the Groceries. The following is a true story. In, in 1984, Mike and his family belonged to an East Coast church. One Sunday evening, the sermon was on sacrificial offerings. And a special offering was taken at the end of the sermon. The only money in Mike's wallet was a $50 bill, which was supposed to be to buy a week's worth of groceries for his wife, their five children, and himself. However, in a move of faith, Mike put the $50 bill in the offering. Then, after the conclusion of the service, the family went out to the parking lot to go home. Within minutes, they joyfully returned to to the sanctuary and asked the pastor to come uh, outside and see the miracle. Somewhat skeptical, the pastor accompanied them outside to their 20-year-old station wagon. Peering through the windows, he saw the interior of the vehicle was completely filled with bags of groceries. Happy for the family, he remarked that someone had given them a huge blessing. You don't understand, Pastor, Mike said. Believe Before the service, I made sure that all the windows were rolled up and the doors were locked. I have only one key, so it must have been the Lord. To which the pastor added, giving truly is the key 
to God's provision. Mike had uh, no family living in the area, and no one from the congregation ever claimed responsibility. Witnessed by Reverend Robert uh, Costa, Detroit, Michigan. Hallelujah. God can fill your car with groceries. Amen? How many believe God? You know, God never left uh, his people without provision in the wilderness. You realize when, when Israel went to Egypt, there were 70 people. And when a new king arose, there was two to three million people in Egypt. And the king that arose, he didn't even know who Joseph was. Didn't, obviously didn't do well in history. Because I'm sure that what Joseph did was recorded in the Egyptian history. Right? And here God prospered these people, and he, he broke them out of slavery. And he took them through a wilderness. They didn't lack for water. They didn't lack for food. You're talking two to three million people now, and there's no grocery stores. Right? There's no restaurants. You're in a wilderness, a barren place. Amen? God brought water from a rock. He rained bread down from heaven. He didn't even let their feet swell. Their clothes didn't wear out. Supernatural protection, supernatural provision. And if that's in the wilderness, guess what? The promised land is a whole lot better than the wilderness. In, in the promised land, we got flowing milk and honey rivers, right? I want you to turn with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 28. And we're going to read a story of one of the patriarchs who had an encounter with God. I've touched on this before, but the Lord put it on my heart to touch on it again. And uh, starting with verse 10, Genesis 28 and verse 10. Now, Jacob had left home for the first time. He was alone. He had tricked his brother out of his inheritance and his blessing, and his brother wanted to kill him. So his mom said, well, why don't you go away? She was thinking for a couple days, 20 years later, it was 20 years that Jacob was away from home. Anyway, here he is by himself as he left home for the first time. And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haram. And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set and he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillow. Obviously, Mike, Mike Lindell was not around at that time. <laughs> Jacob couldn't get my pillow, so he had to use a rock. <laughs> or Mike Lindell. <laughs> okay. And he lay down on that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth. And the, the top of it reached heaven, and behold, the angel of God, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. So Jacob is seeing this in his dream. God is giving him a picture of God's interaction from heaven to earth. And behold, the Lord stood above it. And he said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. 
the land where you are, where you're lying, to you will I give it and to your seed. Everybody say the land. You know, Jacob didn't know that he was in the right place at the right time. And your seed shall be as the dust of the earth. Right? That's a lot. Dust is everywhere. Right? And you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. God likes to give you room. Amen? And in you and in your seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. This is the line that Jesus came through. This is the line, the lineage, the heritage that the Savior came to the earth through. And behold, notice he said, I am with you. You know, when the I am is with you, things are going to work out pretty good. He didn't say, I was with you. He said, I am with you. And will keep you in all the places where you go. You know, God likes to travel with you. Don't leave him at home. When you go to work, take him with you. When you go shopping, take him with you. When you go to school, take him with you. Wherever you go, take him with you. Okay? And will bring you again into this land, for I will not leave you. Wow, powerful. Until I have done that which I have spoken to you. You know, God's not going to leave you until he finishes what he said. Amen? God is going to complete his word. He who began a good work in you was faithful to what? Complete it till he returns. So tell the Lord, keep on working. And verse 16, And Jacob awoke out of his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I didn't know it. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Today you're in God's house. You know, this building is dedicated for God's purposes. Everything about this building and everything about the people that come to it are God's. And they are holy. Right? The chairs are holy. The carpeting is holy. The kitchen is holy. The coffee makers are holy. Glory to God. I mean, he did say Hebrew, so I do. But this building that was built before I was ever even in Palmyra. It was dedicated and consecrated for God's work, for God's purpose, for the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God, for people to come to know Jesus as their Savior, for people to be healed, for people to find their God-given purpose and to receive their inheritance. And although it was started many years ago, the work goes on because this is God's work. This is God's house. And plus, we are God's house, right? You know, God has more than one house. Amen? He lives, his, he lives in heaven. He lives, got places on earth. He lives in us. I mean, amen. He's got more locations than McDonald's. Praise the Lord. So, verse 19. So, Jacob changed the name of this place. He called the name of that place Bethel, which was... The, the name of the place at first was called Luz. Bethel means the, the house of bread or the house of God. And I want you to pay close attention to verses 20 to 22. This is where we want to go today. 
And Jacob vowed a vow. He made a promise. He made a pledge to God. Why? Because he had an encounter with God. He had an experience with God. He had some interaction with God. And so this was Jacob's opportunity to get his life on the right course. So he made a vow. And he said this. Notice, he didn't just think about a vow. He said it. You've got to speak it. Amen? Our authority is in how we speak. You've got to say no to the devil. And yes to God. Okay? He said, if God be with me, God already said he was going to be with him. So that's a promise from God. And will keep me in this way that I go. Okay, God, he's asking God to keep him. And will give me bread to eat. He'll feed me. And clothing to put on. God will clothe me. How many believe God can feed you? God can clothe you. Amen? So that I come again to my father's house. How? In peace. Why? He left in strife. He needed to go back in peace. If you leave a place in strife, you need to go back and get rid of that strife. Or you need to get rid of that strife in your heart. Because when you, when you bring strife to a situation, you bring every evil work. So he's, he's, he's correcting his bad behavior. He wanted to come again in peace. Then shall the Lord be my God. Now he's making him personal. He's asking God. He's inviting him with a personal invitation. He's not just a God. He's my God. Amen. This morning when we were singing, oh, he loves me. I sing, oh, oh, he loves us. I sing, oh, you love me. I change it because I make it personal. God is a personal God. Amen. Jacob was making this personal. You're going to be my God. I'm going to have a relationship with you. Now here is the seal of his promise. And this stone, which I have set up for a pillar. He took the stone that he laid on and he made it a pillar. Okay. Pillars support the house. Pillars, you can't see the pillars behind these walls, but we got some pillars supporting the roof. There are some pillars that bring support to the house. He made his stone a pillar. Or you could say he took his pillow and made it a pillar. He just changed the spelling. Okay? This pillar shall, shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, notice, who did he recognize who gave him the stuff? Out of all you give me. God gives, God's the owner of all things. He owns the gold, he owns the silver, he owns the earth. You know, unfortunately, Satan is leasing it, but his lease is about to come up. And, and man should have leased it, but man gave the lease over. Okay? Out of all that you shall give me, I will surely give the tenth unto you. That word tenth is the word tithe. Here, Jacob makes a vow. He enters into a relationship with God. 
And as you can see, the tithe affects your life. It affects your future. It affects where you go. It affects where you live. And it affects the generations that are coming after you. Okay? How did Jacob know to give a tenth to God? Up to this point, there wasn't any law that said you should give a tenth to God. But you know what? He had a grandfather named Abraham. And Abraham, after he won a victory with his 318 servants, he gave a tithe to Melchizedek, who was the priest of God. Right? And who's our high priest today? Jesus. Right? So, and then... Abraham gave Jacob's father as an offering. I'm sure Jacob heard that story. He said, son, let me tell you, when grandpa took me to the mountain, and he put me on the altar, and he was going to offer me, but I knew that we were okay because our God is a resurrector. Both Abraham and Isaac had faith to do that, so he learned to tithe from his family heritage of tithing. They tithed before there was a law. They tithed before there was a command because they had a relationship with God. And they knew that whatever God gives them, God deserves a portion back. And God made it easy for us. 10%. Well, I don't have money to tithe. If you have a dime, you can tithe. That's a penny. Come on. There were The Bible is loaded with people who had very little, but yet gave to God, and it became very much. Amen? So Jacob was unwilling to stand in God's presence without seeing, securing God's covenant for his future. He was unwilling... To stand in God's presence without securing a covenant for his future. If you've heard from God, if you've been touched by God, if you've experienced God, then you ought to invest in God. Amen? Because you're never going to get what he gives you anywhere else. Jacob wanted to hear God's voice all the days of his life. How many want to hear God's voice all your life? You know, I plan on living long. With, I want God to satisfy me with long life. And I'm not satisfied yet. I got a ways to go. Right? Well, but I want to live listening to God. Because no matter where I go or what I do, I want to hear God's voice. Amen? And we have, we have that privilege. Jacob surrendered himself and his future to God. He put it in God's hands. Amen? He surrendered a fixed portion of his income as a token of commitment to God. Now, tithers hear this, and they're like, oh yeah, I'm doing it. But you know what? You might encounter someone who doesn't tithe so that you can tell them how to do it. You can tell them why you do it. Amen? But we all can learn something from this. God's word is alive. It's not dead. You could hear a sermon a hundred times and get different things out of it each time. Jacob wanted God's awesome power, presence, and favor to be continually with him wherever he went. And isn't that what God promised to do? I'll be with you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to do what I said, right? So Jacob was believing the word. He was basing this decision on the word of God that God gave him directly from himself. Do you know the Bible is God talking to you? 
It is God's love letter to you. It tells us what God likes, what he doesn't like, where we came from, where we're going, and how we're going to get there. Right? The Bible covers every area of life. There's no challenge that anyone could ever face that's not found in the Bible that someone didn't deal with that at some point in time. Amen? God's abiding presence shows up in wisdom, courage, success, and satisfaction. Go with me to 1 Samuel 18, 14. 1 Samuel 18, 14. Today's a good teaching day. Amen? Now, I still got the preach in me, but the lion comes out when it needs to. 1 Samuel 18, 14. Would you say that David followed God? Would you say that David made mistakes? David sinned, didn't he? But he kept his heart right before God. When he did sin, he repented quickly. So look at verse 14. David behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. So guess what? When you behave wisely, the Lord is with you. When you act a fool, God will help you. (laughs) Amen? And you know, the Bible has a lot to say about who's a fool and who's not a fool. Book of Proverbs is loaded with it. Right? Go to Psalm chapter 4. Psalm chapter 4. Hallelujah. I'm excited about today. I thought maybe I'd talk something about love or something, but the guy says, no, you've got to talk about this. I said, okay. Oh, you think I just preach anything that I want to? No, I don't. Psalm chapter 4, starting with verse 6. There be many that say, who will show us any good? Lord, lift up your light of your countenance upon us. How many want God's countenance upon you? You know, God's countenance comes to those who follow God's ways and do God's work and obeys his word. Amen? He doesn't just shine on anybody. Right? But his countenance means he's getting closer and closer. Right? And then he says... You have put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and wine increased. They must say increased. Now, you may not have corn and wine, but you have a, a, a salary or you have an investment, a return on investment. You, God wants those to increase. Well, how can I increase? I'm on a fixed income. Who fixed it? God can unfix it. You know... We don't increase by our income, we increase by our seed. Do you realize a seed was designed to be planted, to die, and to resurrect, and to multiply? Jesus himself was a seed. And he was planted in the earth, he died, he resurrected, and how many more people have been added to his family since he resurrected? All over the world. His family has increased. 
A seed was designed to die, to be planted, to, to resurrect, and to increase. And do you realize, when you plant a seed, one little seed becomes many more things. Right? A seed of corn produces a stalk of corn with two ears or three ears on a stalk with multiple, multiple kernels on the, on the, uh, the, the ears. Right? Amen. How did Joseph, who was a slave, how did a slave prosper? You think, you know, some people say, you know, they think they work for a slave master. You didn't work for Potiphar. Right? Joseph was an actual slave. How did he get, his brothers sold him into slavery. You know, people want to talk about slavery, but how did they get to become slaves? Someone had to sell them. Amen? Nobody ever talks about that. Joseph's brothers sold him as a piece of property. And there he was. He showed up in Egypt from the Ishmaelites, Abraham's descendants. And Potiphar bought him. And so Joseph was working in his house. You know that Joseph didn't complain because God doesn't hang out with complainers. He doesn't hang out with whiny babies. You read the Bible, God does not favor complaining, no matter what the situation is. Could you see Jesus? Oh, that cross, that cross, I don't want to go to that cross, that cross, it's going to cause me some pain. No, he didn't complain about the cross. Yet we complain about the littlest, smallest things. My goodness, we need to grow up. But Joseph, the Bible said something. As a slave, he prospered. Why? God was with him. God was the deciding factor. His presence made him prosper. If, if God's presence can make Joseph prosper, God's presence can make you prosper. Amen? And the heathen Potiphar recognized that God was with Joseph. He, he noticed something different about anybody, any of his other employees. None were like Joseph. So he put him in charge of everything because God was with him. Amen. So Jacob said, keep me in the way that I'm going. Right. He wanted God's counsel, God's providence and God's protection. And Jacob vowed to tithe. What did he give? What did he vow to tithe on? Everything that came into his hands. Everybody hold up your hands. Everything that comes into your hands, whether you earn it, whether it's a return, or whether someone gave it to you, a tenth belongs to God. Because tithing is the foundation of God's financial plan. It is the beginning. It is the springboard. It is the starting point. If you're not tithing, you haven't begun to execute God's financial plan. A tithe is not a tip. I'll just let that sink in for just a moment. You can't tip God 5%. That's not a tithe. A tithe is 10%. Everybody say, a tithe is 10%. And guess what? There's no restriction to go beyond 10%. 
uh, Mr. Letourneau, who was a big uh, uh, heavy metal manufacturer for, for making roads, he, he made the equipment that made the roads, he was giving 90% of his income as a tithe and living on 10%. And he lived very well on 10%. He was a multi-multi-millionaire. Amen? And he struggled in the beginning, but he stayed with God. He kept doing what God said. He kept giving to God. And guess what? God, God increased him. Amen? He'll do the same for you too. Hallelujah. This was not an impulsive decision that Jacob made. This was a strong commitment and a plan that was he was going to carry out his whole life. He made tithing a lifestyle from this moment on. How do you think that Jacob overcame ten wage losses working for his uncle and ended up with more stuff than his uncle had? That was because he was a tither. He endured being tricked just like he tricked others. See, when, when you sow trickery, you're going to reap trickery because what you sow is what you reap. All right? Jacob sowed trickery and he got tricked. Right? He wanted, he wanted Rachel, but he got Leah. And he had to work another seven years. Right? He got stuck working for 14 years and got a woman that he didn't want for the woman that he really did want. Right? But, but see, that seed that he sowed in his life came, came back to harvest. Be careful of the seeds you sow. Right? Because they will come back. Alright? So he made a, a decision. It didn't matter what circumstance Jacob faced, whether it was good or bad, whether it was favorable or unfavorable, whether there was plenty or lack, he made a commitment to tithe on everything. Amen? Glory to God. He made a commitment, and we're not going to study it now, but if you, if you read Jacob's life, everything that he prayed when he committed the tithe came to pass. Everything that he, he prayed came to pass. He actually, him and his brother reconciled. Can you believe that? He met, he met Esau, and they hugged each other. He didn't kill him. Praise the Lord. Why? Jacob was a tither. His tithing affected family relationships? Absolutely. Hallelujah. A settled habit of giving is promoted by a settled expression of giving. A settled habit of giving is settled with a settled expression of giving. Is God a giver? Do you realize he gave man the earth? He gave man life. He gave man ability, power, and authority. He gave man strength. Amen? And man treated God bad, but did that stop God from giving to man? No. He gave us Jesus. When we were totally separated from him, when we were distant from him, when we were disconnected from the life of God, he gave us Jesus to bring us back. He put a seed in the earth to bring a harvest to himself. God operates by this very same principle that he tells us to operate by. Amen? Giving is a correct response to heaven's presence and goodness. When Gideon had an encounter with God, 
What did he want to do? Wait here, let me go get, let me go get an offering. When Samson's parents had an encounter with God, what did they do? They wanted to give to him. Amen? When Abraham had an encounter with God, he gave everywhere he went. He set up an altar, and on that altar he made burnt offerings and sacrifices. Wherever he went, he gave to God. Amen? So if we encounter God's presence, we ought to be willing to give to God. Because when you give to God, it's not going to diminish. It will never diminish. Any gift that you give to God of your time, talent, or resources will never diminish. It will only increase. Say, whatever I give to God will increase. Now, you've got to do it with the right motive. You've got to do it in love, and you've got to do it in faith. Amen? Because faith pleases God. So if you do it in love, and if you do it in faith, you're good. You, you know that whenever something leaves your hand for God, it's going to go into your future. And you'll run into it more than what you, what you, what, yeah. it'll be more than when it left your hand. Yeah, right. Glory to God. Yeah. I believe that VCF is a place where God has opened up his gate. Yeah. I believe that his presence is here. Yeah. I believe that people encounter God here. Yeah. Amen? I believe people get healed here. Yeah. People get saved here. Destinies are changed here. So this is a place where we encounter God's presence. So let God encounter our gifts. Amen? Hallelujah. All right. Let's go to Psalm 50. Psalm 50 and verse uh, 4. 14. Sorry. Psalm 50 verse 14. Notice what it says here. Offer unto God thanksgiving and pay the vows to the Most High. Oh, do you mean when you make a pledge or a promise to God, God actually listens? Yes, he does. God is listening, right? Remember the old, the old commercial, when E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. When God speaks, people are listening, right? But God is listening when we make a, a vow or a pledge, how many times have people been in a dangerous situation or a life-threatening situation and they made a promise to God, Lord, if you get me out of here, I'll, I'll serve you, I'll follow you. Then God gets them out and they, they're like, where'd he go? Where'd he go? Right? They don't keep their vow. Right? They don't keep their promise. Aren't you glad God is not a person like that? He always keeps his promises. Amen? Amen? Glory to God. Hallelujah. So, when Jacob made a vow, it actually means, that word means to spring horizontally from one place to another. Do you realize Winnie the Pooh can become a tigger? You know, Winnie the Pooh would just be walking, but Tigger, he bounces. I'm Tigger, 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 tigger. you know, Tigger bounces. When you make a vow to God, you are springing horizontally from one place to another, from one level to another level, right? Amen? It quickly places you into another place, bridging the gap, but keeping your eye on the future goal. Hallelujah. Jacob's vow flowed from his heart to faithfully give back to God, whether facing 
poverty or prosperity. We know stories of the Bible, right? The woman, two pancakes, enough for two pancakes, right? Prophet said, give it to me first. That's all she had. Everybody say, all she had. But she recognized him as a man of God, and God had already spoken to her because God told the prophet, he said, I prepared a widow to take care of you. So she was prepared by God. God prepared her to make an investment of all that she had. A sacrifice. And what happened? When she gave it, God multiplied it back. Amen? Right then and there. That was a quick return. Amen? How about the woman who was her, lost her husband? She was in debt, and God put her in the oil business. Right? All she had was a little jar of oil, right? He said, well, go and get empty pots. Get as many as you can and bring your sons in, close the door, and start pouring that oil. Who would have thought that pouring oil would multiply? Well, when God tells you to do it, it's going to multiply. And, and, and the prophet told her they filled all the pots that they had. All right, sell the oil. She went into the oil business. Pay off your debt, number one, and, everybody say and, live on the rest. That's overflow. It covered the debt, and it gave her extra. Amen? How did that happen? She gave it to God. She did what God told her to do. Right? God sanctifies our gifts. Hallelujah. So let's, uh, let's go to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. Let's take a look here for just a moment. There's no such thing as a self-made man. Man has not been successful at making himself. You, you, heard, the, you heard the contest between scientists, right? Scientists said, God, we don't need you anymore. We are so advanced we got technology, we, we got computers, and uh, we're going to make our own man. So let's have a man-making contest. God said, okay. So the scientists went outside to get some dirt, and God said, wait a minute, wait a minute. He said, get your own dirt. <laughs> Hallelujah. Luke chapter 12 And let's look at, uh, oh, there we go. I was in Luke 11. Pays to be in the right chapter. Let's start with verse 41. Luke 12, 41. Then Peter said, Lord, speak this parable unto us, or even to all. And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward? Everybody say faithful and wise. A steward is a manager, right? A steward protects his owner from loss. If you're a good steward, you're protecting your owner from loss. And you do that by being faithful and wise. Two qualities that make up a a good manager. Whom the Lord shall make ruler over his household. 
When you're faithful and wise in small things, God will promote you. Daniel, Joseph, Esther, Ruth. All were faithful in little things. Right? Ruth took care of a bigger woman. She stuck with a bigger woman. You know how hard it is to stick with a bigger woman. But Ruth did. And because she did, she met a Boaz. Well, I mean, Naomi, she lost her husband. She lost her sons. Of course she'd be bitter. Right? She didn't want to. She was angry at life. She thought God was doing this. She didn't know. Any one of us would have been bitter in that situation. But Ruth said, I'm going to stick with you. I'm going to follow you. Your, your God's going to be my God. And that, that attitude led her to a Boaz. Why? Because Ruth was a good steward. She took care of her mother-in-law. She put up with the complaints. Right? She put up with everything, and she just took care of her. And guess what? But Bo- Bo- when Boaz said, oh, yeah, I heard the report on how you took care of your mother. Oh, yeah, you took care of your mother. Oh, yes, I did, Boaz. I took care of my mother. I'm glad you like that. Yeah, that made Boaz want to marry the girl, and he did. Amen? He's like, he walked in the field. Who was that girl? Oh, that's the Moabitess. Oh, yeah, Naomi's daughter-in-law. Oh, you know. God has a way of connecting people with the right people, right? Just be patient. So, a wise, faithful steward is going to be promoted over all the house. Right? They're going to increase in responsibility. Verse 43. Blessed is that servant whom the Lord, when he comes, shall find so doing. Listen. If you started a relationship with the Lord, that's great, but you've got to keep it going. You know, if you have a wood stove and you only got so many logs, once those logs are done, the fire is going to go out. Right? You've got to keep adding logs to the fire. How many has a car that runs perpetually without ever having to fill up? Right? I mean, even electric cars, they only have a 350-mile radius. Right? You're going to have to charge it. You're going to have to fill your car. You've got to keep filling your car, right? Guess what? God expects us to keep living, keep doing, keep following him, just like we started to, and not stop until he returns. Blessed is that servant whom the Lord finds doing that. You know? You want to be blessed? Keep it going. Keep it doing. Keep doing what's right. Don't stop. Right? Just like the who's saying, don't stop believing? You know, don't stop believing, right? Verse 44. Of a truth I say unto you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. Some people want to be a ruler, but they don't want to be faithful. Can't happen. You got to be faithful. You got to be consistent. Amen? This is what Jacob said when he, 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 uh, You know, there's three elements of a stewardship lifestyle. Giving, receiving, and prospering. Giving, receiving, and prospering. You give of your time, talent, and treasure. Right? Your three T's. You give your time, talent, and your treasure. We know the story of the talents, don't we? God gave, he chose three people to represent God. Three part man, or the three being man, I should say. Right? And, uh... One he gave five, one he gave two, and one he gave one. It didn't matter what he gave, it's how they used what they gave, 
right? What did they do with what they were given? One went and he, was, he, probably, he, he wanted to be an ostrich. He wanted to be like Lemu the emu, right? And Doug, right? You know that commercial? Lemu, Lemu, emu, right? And Doug. Well, you know what ostriches do? They bury their head in the sand. You can't use your gift if it's buried. Too many people receive a gift from God and they bury it. They don't do anything with it. Do you realize just by going to church you're not serving God? Oh, you, you don't serve God by going to church. You serve God by doing God's work. By doing what he tells you to do. By helping people. By ministering to people. Some people think, oh, I'm serving God because I showed up. No. You got to do something. That's why, that's why Jesus made attending church so important because that's where fellowship, you can't fellowship from a distance. Right? God wants us up close and personal. He wants us mixed in everybody's life. Or this is my business. No, it's not your business. It's family business. Right? If you're in a church, you gotta show us how you're progressing. And you can only do that through fellowship. Right? People can be a distance away. Oh, I'm doing great. I'm following God. Yeah, really? Show us. That's why God designed fellowship. Amen? He designed interaction. It's important. People need fellowship. Amen? Glory to God. So uh, give according to your income, lest God make your income like you're giving. <laughs> You don't want God to reverse it. Right? Let me say that again. Give according to your income, lest God make your income like you're giving. Giving sets in motion divine law. It is a divine principle. It's something that Abel did before there was any other thing. He chose the best. He chose the first And he gave it to God with a right heart. And God accepted it, but God rejected Cain's. He just got any old thing that was laying around. All right? Jim Elliott, great missionary, said, He is no fool who gives what he can't keep in order to gain what he can't lose. He is no fool who gives what he can't keep in order to gain what he can't lose. Amen? Do you realize when you invest in God, you're investing in eternity? And God is the best bookkeeper and accountant that you will ever imagine. Do you realize in Malachi 3, God is, God is so interested in records. When people get together and talk about Jesus, he records it in heaven as a conversation about Jesus. Anybody that records it, his big brother is watching me. Yes, he is. But he doesn't have to use a device. He already knows your heart. He knows what no man knows. And that's our heart. Only God knows the heart. He knows why you do something and he knows why you don't do something. No matter what excuse you make. He knows the real deal. Right? And if if people say, I can't tithe when they can, they lie. And you don't want to get on the devil's territory. Alright? So... What will God do? Let's go to Malachi chapter 3. 
And then I'm going to end today with the benefits of tithing. Amen. You know, God's a God of benefits, right? And benefits is one of those words that really excite me as a preacher. I love the word benefit, right? It's interesting that God put this in the last book of the Old Testament. And, you know, tithing is in the New Testament as well as in the Old. It's in Matthew 23, 23. It's in Hebrews 7. And it's in other places. And besides, in the New Testament, the early church, they give the whole proceeds of a house, not 10%. Whatever they sold their property for, they gave the whole enchilada into the church. Amen? They, they wiped the tithe way out. They exceeded it. Are you an exceeder? Do you like to go beyond limits? You were destined to go beyond limits. Amen? If there's a mountain in your way, you can move it. If there's an obstacle in your way, you can overcome it. If there's a giant in your way, you can kill him. Amen? If there's an ocean in your way, you can part it and walk through. There are no limits on the people of God, glory to God. We can break through limits. We can go beyond barriers. Hallelujah. God made us unrestricted. He made us free in his kingdom. As long as we do it the way he wants it done. Amen. Malachi chapter 3. Or Malachi, however you want to say it. Verse 8. Will a man rob God? Now that's a very strong word. Rob God. Yet you have robbed me, but you say, wherein have we robbed you? In tithes and in offerings. Everybody say tithes and offerings. And if you're not tithing, you can't give an offering. Because tithing is the first foundation. And anything beyond the tithe, that's an offering. Amen? And don't mix them up. You can't call your offering a tithe. You can't call your tithe an offering. A tithe is a tithe, and an offering is an offering. Amen? Okay? Will a man rob God? Right? Not taking care of God's house. Not taking care of God's stuff. Not taking, you know, this happened in the book of Haggai. Right? They were putting, they were earning money, but putting it in a bag with holes. Not literally, but they, they were losing money. Why? They were living in all these nice houses while the, the house of God was in, in a wreck. Right? He said, why do you live in all your paneled houses when God's house needs some help? Consider your ways, he said. That was the prophet Haggai. But let's get back to Malachi. Okay, so they were robbing him in tithes and offerings. He said, you are cursed with a curse. Now, that doesn't sound good. I don't like curses. Amen? Did you know that a curse will not come without a cause? If you're doing what's right, you'll be curse-free. But if you're not doing what's right, curses will come. Okay? For you have robbed me. That's the second time he said that. Even this whole nation. Okay? Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Everybody say bring. You can bring them. That there may be meat in my house. That means the tithe takes care of how the church functions. It takes care of everything that the church needs, all the bills of the church. Amen? 
What did Joseph have in Egypt? He set up storehouses. What were in those storehouses? Grain. The key ingredient for bread. Right? And people would come to Joseph and they would spend money and buy grain because he had it stored up in a place. Amen? A storehouse is where you come and get fed. Hallelujah. VCS cupboards are open. You can come and eat to your heart's content. You can come and drink to your heart's content. Amen. We got new wine, living water, heavenly bread, glory to God, and meat, and we got milk and honey too. Glory to God. And we always have a full supply. Amen. You can come and take as much as you want or as little as you want, but it's available to you. Amen. So, he said, bring all the tithes in the store. And then he said, prove me or test me or examine me. This is like how a, a, a metal person would test gold. You know, if, if you've ever sold any gold, they make sure it's real gold and not fool's gold, right? And they put a little test to the gold to test its authenticity, right? They'll never buy the gold without testing it first because they want to prove that it's real, So that they can give you the right value. Amen? Well, guess what? This is the only place in the Bible where God said, test me, prove me, try me, or examine me. If I will not tithe, and if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you so great that your rooms can't contain it, I will rebuke the devourer, the seed eater. Amen? This is where we can prove God. How do we prove God? Put your money where your mouth is. Amen? If you've never tithed, tithe. Amen? And if you have tithed, you find that God is faithful. When we, when we bought a house in Tennessee, Fiona had lost her job, and it was May, and I was ending my job at the Christian school I was working at at the church that we were attending. And we were getting married. And we bought, we managed to put 20% down on a house that we purchased in Tennessee, right? And, uh, God opened a door in, in July, or it was in June actually. One of the members of the church, he was a, a contractor, he was a painting contractor. And with light construction. So he gave me a job. I had never painted before up to that point. And I learned how to paint and it was good. And he gave me a job. So we lived in that house, let's see, in 97 for three years, two years, okay? And when we sold the house, we made a profit on the house. Amen? Everybody say profit. So we, we paid off the mortgage and had more left over, glory to God. You know why? Because we tithed when it was good. We tithed when it was bad. We tithed when things were going well. When things weren't going well, we tithed. Amen? And God saw us through. And he'll see you through too. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. This is so powerful. So don't base your giving on the economy. Base your giving on what God said. Base what you do on the word, not how you feel. Oh, that was a real good sermon today. I'm going to give extra. No. Unless the Holy Ghost said, or unless you really want to. 
right? But you gotta give on purpose, right? Not, not out of, uh, uh, gr- not grudgingly or like you feel like you have to or such a burden. Giving shouldn't be a burden. It should be a blessing. Yeah. Hey Amen? Yeah. You got to change the way you think about it. Who are you giving to? You're giving to God. He's the greatest financier in the whole wide world. Yeah. He kept Noah's boat afloat for more than a year, praise God. Noah had enough food for... Eight people and all the animals. Think about it. How would you like to feed all the animals on the earth for a year or more? There was enough food on that boat to last them for the whole entire time they were on that boat. Amen? And then God gave them a rainbow. (laughs) Tithing is a covenant with God. And yes, it's going to take faith to do it. Amen? This is part of God's financial plan. Our old, stubborn, stingy, selfish nature, it doubts, it reasons, and it manipulates, and it resists giving, sacrificing, and it even resists believing. No one's ever felt like that, have they? Your flesh, you wanted to do something in your heart, and your flesh says no. And then there was a little argument going on between your flesh and your spirit, Right? Our new nature, though, it has a new heart. We've been given a new nature. God put his nature in us. It's a giving nature. It's a willing nature. Amen? It's a free nature. It's a, this is the only time where you should be a liberal in giving <laughs> to God. Amen? <laughs> Not in politics, but just in God's kingdom. And when it comes to giving, amen? Yeah, James. He'll give, if you ask God for wisdom, he'll give it to you liberally. He won't hold back. Amen? Our new nature submits wholeheartedly to Jesus as Lord. Hallelujah. Giving is a spiritual barometer that allows our soul to know the condition of our heart. It's a, it's, it's a barometer to see where your heart is. Right? Do you, you know, we sing songs about Lord give us more. But do you realize He gives to us based on our seeds? And you know what? When we sow a seed, He multiplies that seed sown. According to 2 Corinthians 9. Amen? Alright. Let's get into the benefits here. Hallelujah. You know, well, George Barnes said 35% of all Christians who attend church believe that the Bible says that they should tithe. 30%. Do you realize there are over 2,000 scriptures that talk about money, wealth, gold, silver, or something like that? Over 2,000. 11 out of the 40 parables Jesus talked about money. 11 out of the 40 parables. That's a third. Right? Jesus talked a lot about money. Why? Because where your money is, what happens? What follows our money? Where your treasure is, that's where our heart is. Right? You can, you can see what someone loves, just balance their checkbook. Right? You see what they love. Because it'll show up. Amen? <laughs> Woo, pastor, you're messing with me. I know, but it's so fun. You know, our giving should honor God. 
Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, honor the Lord with the first fruits of all your increase. And he said, when you do that, your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will burst out with new wine. I heard a testimony from my own father because he told me this. He's probably watching. Dad, I love you. And mom too. Uh, He retired. Oh, it was, I don't know. He's been retired for 20 years. He was a a state farm insurance agent. And uh, he was very diligent to put money away every year for his retirement. And he told me this a few months ago. He said he's been, since he's retired, right, he's been taking out of his retirement account. And it's at this, it's, his account was where it, it was beget, when it was 20 years ago when he's taking it out. He's been taking it out for several years, but the, the level is at where, where he was 20 years ago. How did that happen? Because I, I, I always told my father growing up and my parents, I said, y'all are so blessed because you have two kids in the ministry. I'd say that all the time, you know. And uh, one year, my father's aunt, whom he did not expect, she, she passed away and left him and his cousin, you know, large inheritance. And he then shared that inheritance with us. Amen. With me and my sisters. Uh, he shared that with us. He, he gave us money. And at that time, that's when I got my first new car. Because my dad said, when you go to college, I'll get you a car. And so God gave an inheritance to get me a car. Amen. And uh, I'll never forget the feeling I had driving that car off the lot. Uh, it was a Saturn SL2 four-door, five-speed. And, and that company at the time, when you bought a car, everyone, all the employees would gather around and they'd cheer you as you drive out of the showroom. I'd be like, yes! True, that, that actually happened. I felt like I was doing an ST commercial or something or, or, or one of those, uh, York peppermint patty commercial. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right. Let me get you to, to the benefits and close this thing out today. All right. Those of you that tithe, you're awesome. Those of you that aren't, this is your opportunity to, to, to do it. Amen. And to prove God. Now, I don't know if you tithe or don't. So don't, don't get nervous. Right. But Jesus did watch people put money in the offering one time. If anybody's going to get nervous, Jesus is watching. <laughs> All right, this is based on Deuteronomy 26, Leviticus 27, uh, and others. The tithe is the first of our wages and the first fruit of our increase. Everybody say first. first. You know, what we do first will determine what God will do next. Yeah. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness we gotta, we gotta get in the habit of putting God's things first. Amen? Alright? Number two, the tithe is to be given from our increase. Amen? If you get a steady income, then be a steady tither. Amen? If you're, if you're, if you receive money on, on occasion, then be an occasional tither. Right? Everybody's different. We're all, some people get paid weekly, some people get paid bi-weekly, some people get paid monthly. Amen? Some people get paid quarterly. Right? 
In, in Israel, they had like two or three tithes. One was the general tithe, one was a tithe for the poor, and one was a tithe for another thing. And every three years, they'd have to make good on that because they were an agricultural society. All right? Number three, the tithe is not to be used for personal needs. Leviticus 27 says the tithe is the Lord's. It is holy. It is not for us to buy clothes or food or anything with. It is the Lord's. Everybody say it's the Lord's. Why do you think God told Adam and Eve not to eat one tree, but they could have all the others? Because that tree was a tithe. God told the nation of Israel, don't take the gold or the silver or the metal from Jericho. Why? Jericho was a tithe. It was the first city in the promised land. And they tithed in Jericho. What happened? Achan took some of the tithe. What happened? The, he got burned. He, the earth swallowed. It was terrible. The tithe is to be given as an act of obedience. We tithe because God said it. Amen? It has nothing to do with how we feel. Right? It's just like anything else with God. We do it because he said it. The tithe is the sacred portion that we set aside for the Lord because it's holy. The tithe is the basis for releasing God's covenantal blessings of increase or a curse. You give the tithe, you get blessed. You withhold the tithe, you get cursed. I don't know. You know, it's a pretty fair deal. Right? Your tithe opens windows in heaven. For God to go like this, pour it on you so much that your rooms can't contain it. Oh, what I forgot to tell you about our house in Tennessee. We didn't have any furniture. And we had a three-bedroom house, right? In less than a week, our entire house was furnished. Amen? That was almost more than we could handle or, or contain, right? Glory to God. God is good. He'll never let you down. He'll never fail. He'll always work for your good. God's got good for you. He's got good things in store for you. Everything I got is good. He's not bad. The devil is bad. He's a thief. God is good. He's a giver. Hallelujah. The tithe is the base. Okay, we read that. Uh, the tithe is to be given with the attitude of worship and rejoicing. God often told his people, go to the place where I put my name to dwell and there rejoice before the Lord. We ought to have just a moment of rejoicing. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You ought to get excited. Why? Because God's in your future. God's not working you. God's doing some great things. Hallelujah. No other religion lets its believers partner with them like God does. We become partners with God in his kingdom. Hallelujah. The tithe is the provision for releasing ministry to the Lord's house. The tithe took care of the priests and the Levites. It took care of the instruments. Amen. They had treasuries. Read it. They had treasuries. Plural. Peter needed boats. He needed nets. Why? Our God is that good. Our God is that incredible. Our God is that awesome. 
The tithe is not just the Old Testament. You find it in Matthew 6, Matthew 23, 23, 1 Corinthians 16, and Hebrews 7. Those are New Testament. The tithe is the biblical minimum and will not limit our giving. Everybody starts at the same point, 10%. Do you realize the economy has changed, but God has never changed his amount? 10%. Because 10 is government. Right? 10 is, is the law. Right? Hallelujah. God only wants his kids to do 10%. But if you give him 10%, he'll give you 100. He'll turn your, he'll, he'll turn your 90 into 100. Amen? Yeah. Glory to God. You cannot lose tithing. And then finally, tithe is an acknowledgement of ownership and partnership. God owns it all, but we get to partner with him. Amen? We get to work with him. Glory to God. And he gets to work with us. It's a partnership. It's a relationship. Glory to God. Hallelujah. What a joy and a privilege it is to be able to give to God. We start with the tithe. And maybe next week I'll be released to tell you more. I don't know. I might talk about love next week. We'll see how the Lord wants. But it's whatever he wants. Amen. How many are excited about the opportunity to tithe? Amen. And I want to tell you, this is a tithing church. I'm not saying this because uh, we don't have a bunch of... We have, we have tithers here, man. We have givers here. You guys bless people. Amen. I tell you, ministers are shocked. Guest speakers are shocked. When we give them their check, they'll be like, Holy Jesus. They've never said that, but I'm telling you, they're very pleased with the gifts that they get given from VCF. I mean, our guests say, oh, we got this stuff in our room because VCF cares, gives them things. Amen. Why? Because we're in the blessing. People are blessed here. We're leaving a trail of blessing. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, curses and yokes are going to be broken today. Amen. Healings are going to break out today. God is going to move today. Hallelujah. Now, you don't, tithing is not buying a miracle. It's doing what God said. And in return, he promises a blessing. It's, it's a divine exchange. You can't buy a miracle. I remember when I was in Sierra Leone and we had a question and answer session and some of the people were asking that the pastors would charge people to pray for them. If you give me an offering, I'll come and pray for you. I mean, uh, our leader, Dan Smug, he wasn't too happy with that question. He dealt with it pretty strongly. <laughs> it, it was pretty strong. <laughs> that, was, that was happening in Africa, not here. Hey, Amen. Yeah, hireling. So this is just an encouragement today to stir your faith, to cause us to come up to a higher level. Amen? Hallelujah. We have a place where people can come and hear the word of God and see the spirit of God move. They can hear and see how God works and what God does. Amen? This is a special place. This is an important place. Amen. And yes, the enemy would love to shut us up, but he's not going to do that because we're going to shut him up. Amen. We're going to trample on serpents and scorpions over all the, all the, uh, uh, 
Yeah, he gives them authority and power to trample on serpent scorpions over all the power of the enemy in Palmyra and in Pennsylvania. Amen? We're going to set people free in their marriages. We're going to help build families. Amen? We're going to raise the next generation of believers. We're going to create heirs who inherit God's inheritance. Your divine inheritance. Every one of you are heirs. Your name has been written in the book of life. Hallelujah. And there's someone who died, and we're in his will, and we get his promises. Glory to God. Hallelujah. See, now the lion comes out. Preacher comes out right now. Amen? Tell you what, I'm, this is good. This is a good lesson today. Amen? Anybody that's struggling with sickness here today, you came in, you got some problems in your body, you got pain in your joints, God wants to set you free this morning. Amen? If you're here with sickness, disease, infirmity, or weakness, I want you to come up right now. Come expecting to be healed. Come expecting to be made whole in the name of Jesus. Amen? Come and be healed. Come and receive. Glory to God. Healing is a gift of God. It's already been provided. It's already been paid. Now, those of you that are coming up, you've got to get this mindset. You are not the sick trying to get healed. You are the healed, and Satan is trying to steal your health. Amen? But no more. We're going to stop the thief today. Hallelujah. Where's the pain in your body? In your knee. 